Thank you for joining me on episode 25 of the Unique on a Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And though Father's Day is quite a ways away, Corey Ward is joining me today to talk about the uniqueness of fatherhood. Whether you are a physical father or a spiritual father, or even if you are a woman, you will benefit from Corey's wisdom and his testimony. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. And today I'm here with Corey Ward. Corey, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Because we're talking right now and it, and it is morning, but I, we're only a couple hours away. Pleasantly surprised that you were only in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and that you're a U of M fan. So go blue. <laughs> so we yes, can be man. friends. So we can be friends. Because <laughs> we like the same team. <laughs> but you are a husband, a father, you're a career coach. You work for ISD in Kent County, and you also have a psychology degree from Cornerstone University. Actually, I, I'm very familiar with ISD for the fact that my husband used to work for ISD here in Traverse City, and it's just, um, it's a huge part of our culture. But can you explain a little bit what ISD is? It's the Kent Intermediate School District. All the schools, you got schools like in Cedar Springs, Grand Rapids Public Schools, some private schools like Christian and Catholic Central. It's just a hub for kids from different places and spaces to come to get uh, lightly introduced to like skills and trades. So mm -hmm. they have auto mechanics, introductions to being RN. So it's really a place for youth to get their feet wet mm -hmm. in the skills and trade arena. Mm -hmm. So if that's the path that they choose, it's not foreign to them when they actually start it. So they do a host of things. So it's changed a lot since I was in high school. Mm -hmm. They used to have like one or two buildings. And now it's just a huge campus. Okay. So if we mention ISD, people know what we're talking about. And now you are a recent author of the book, Dear Sons, which we'll get into in just a moment. But I, I know we're a few months out from Father's Day, but I want to talk about the uniqueness of fatherhood. And you are very passionate about fatherhood. And I love this because we live in a culture today that wants to erase gender. We want to erase moms. They're not important. We want to erase dads. They're not important. But the statistics show us something completely different. And you know the importance of fatherhood. And, and I really want to dive into that with you because you're someone who took your pain. You turn it into purpose. And Corey, I'm going to quote you. This is something on your LinkedIn. You said, my trauma is my teacher and my experiences are now my expertise. So just kind of share with me your story. So I was born, uh, my father and mother were not married. They mm -hmm. were teenagers when they had me. My grandparents were faith-based people, but they also had their own set of issues. Mm -hmm. And so when I was very young, my mother decided she wanted to take me and my brother, who she had previously had like a year and a half before, to Texas to live with some guy. And my grandparents were like, well, you can go wherever you would like to go. That's your choice. You don't have to leave, but you're not taking our grandchildren with you. Mm. So my first point of reference of parents were my grandmother and my grandfather. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't meet 
my mom or have memory of my mom until I was about five or six years old. Oh, wow. My first introduction to my father was when I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. So up until that point, the only parents I knew were my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And so we lived with my grandparents. Uh, They did fairly well. My grandmother was a retiree from GM, I believe. My grandfather worked for a paint company, so we were fairly middle class. Mm -hmm. And then my grandmother got sick. And so she had a stroke, was paralyzed on her left or right side. And so now you have my grandfather, who is from a different time period Mm -hmm. uh, for men, a black man, Mm -hmm. growing up like he grew up in the South. Mm -hmm. So his parenting style is he comes from the place where not a lot of hugs, not a lot of kisses, mm. not a lot of I love you, just I have to take care of you. That's how I, that's how I tell you I love you. Yeah. And, and so already, even though he was an excellent provider, emotionally, as a boy, your love tank doesn't get filled by another man, which I think is very important mm-hmm. with boys to yeah. appropriately have another man affirm and fill a boy's love tank. Yeah. So we fast forward some more. My grandfather is dealing with alcoholism and some other things. So we go and live with my aunt. So it's me, my brother, and my little sister. She has a child. My aunt has a child, my cousin, and she takes on my grandmother. Mm. So while she's pregnant and my aunt has her own trauma on her. Mm-hmm. And so we're all in this house, just trying to survive. And then my mother pops up back on the scene and we moved to Texas with her. And and you're a teenager at this point. No, I'm still a child. Oh, you're still a child. Okay. I think I'm about 10 or 11. Wow. That's a lot to go through in 10 years. Okay. So, so we get to Texas and her boyfriend is abusive. Mm Mm-hmm. I go from my grandfather, who was a great provider, Mm -hmm. but just didn't understand a lot of things that we know today that boys need. Yeah. I go to my aunt. She has her own struggles with her boyfriend, who's not really active with us. So I'm, I'm painting this picture because this whole time, emotionally, I am not getting what I need. Yeah. My mom's boyfriend, who's abusive, puts his hands on her in front of us doesn't want us there anymore so we get sent back to michigan from texas to michigan so we end up back with my grandfather for about a year or two then my mom comes back she's on her feet and then i meet my father for the first time and so it's very awkward mm-hmm. they like it's it's just strange and so my relationship with my father from the age of 13 is him trying to discipline me when I get in trouble Mm -hmm. and try to lord over me when he has no relationship with me. Mm -hmm. He ends up going back to prison. And so now I'm entering middle school and high school. I'm learning about boyhood and manhood on my own, which is very dangerous. Yeah. I'm learning about 
sex and all types of other things through different avenues. Mm -hmm. And why is all all of this important? Because I needed to learn them from my father in a stable place. Mm -hmm. When boys have to learn things on their own, they break things. (laughs) I like that, but that's true. Yes. They do, and it's not their fault. Yeah, it's just it, it just is what it is. Right. And so I, I, let's just move forward. I get out of high school, and I'm just wandering around. I never tell anybody this, but I have this void in me. I don't like who I am. I'm not confident in who I am, and I just never understand why. Mm-hmm. So at the age of 27, one day I'm sitting in my apartment. And I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. So I tell God, if you are who you say you are, I need you to save me. Mm -hmm. And so the very next day, I go to church. I get saved. Now, hold on. You just you just picked a church. I mean, I mean, I know that you said the the church. The first thing I did is I called. One of my best friends, Joe mm-hmm. Gofo, mm-hmm. who since a teenager had been walking with the Lord. Mm. So he was the first person I called. And so he was actually getting ready to preach at a church, told them they needed to wait so he could come talk to me over the phone. Mm-hmm. He said, Corey, what you're feeling is the chase. And he's like, God has been chasing you from the beginning, and he's not going to stop. Mm. And he said, you're at a point where a lot of people get to, and either they let God catch them or they keep running. Mm. I said, yep, I'm going to go to church. The next person I called was my Uncle George, who was saved, and he went to a church called The Revolution. where It was under the leadership of Pastor Jamon T. Glenn and his wife, uh, Pastor Erica Glenn. And so I went there, and he was preaching. It was called the I Am a Champion series. And just after that, I went up there, gave my life to the Lord, and began my relationship with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing is, now that he has me, he's like, now we're going to deal with some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) You got some baggage we got to take care of. (laughs) He said, yep, we got to deal with some stuff. And... I remember the first, my first year there at the church and my first father's day at the church. And he was preaching a series on fatherhood and he could see that it bothered me. Yeah. He could see that it bothered me. And the more that I began to pray and ask God what's going on with me, he led me back to my dad. Mm. And that void, that was just missing. Mm -hmm. And so from the age of 27, being saved to the age of 30, I am dealing with this. I don't want to talk to my dad. I'm upset. And then one day, and and I'm praying during this time, I'm praying that that I'm healed and I don't want to be mad at him. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to forgive him. And it's just interesting how God heals you. So three years later, on a Father's Day, I'm getting dressed for church. Mm-hmm. I walk in my closet to get my clothes, and I just start crying. And God says, you're healed. And so I immediately called my dad, mm-hmm. forgave him, 
But something my pastor told me was, what you need to do is ask your father about his childhood. Oh. He said that will give you clarity on why he's made the decisions he's made Mm -hmm. and why he left you. And I asked my father about his childhood. And he grew up in a house where his father was a pimp. He grew up in a house where there was a lot of drugs. Mm -hmm. And so the more insight I got into his childhood, it gave me understanding and clarity why he left because no one ever taught him how to stay. Mm -hmm. Wow. And now I'm journaling. And so on Facebook, when Father's Day would come up, I would do a hashtag called Dear Sons. And the idea was, what would I want to give my sons that wasn't given to me? Mm -hmm. Realistically, God has been putting down the breadcrumbs for me to write that book since I was a child. Mm -hmm. I'm doing these hashtags, Dear Sons, with these different thoughts and just scriptures with biblical insight of fatherhood. And a friend texts me, my friend Wendy, she says, hey, you should write a book instead of just giving all this good stuff away on Facebook for free. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I began journaling. And so the pandemic hit. And so my wife says, you're going to write the book during the pandemic. So my wife would lock me in a room <laughs> and say, you can't come out until you at least get five chapters done a day. You got to do three to five chapters a day. That's a good, inspiring wife. <laughs> she is. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. I met her when I got saved at the revolution, mm-hmm. um, dated for two years. We had our first kiss on our wedding day, and that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Love it. Then the book was born, and here we are. It was born. It was birthed during the pandemic. And I think how appropriate is it, too, that God gave you sons? You have two sons, Right. And so it's almost as if God is saying, "Okay, I'm going to show redemption through you. You know, I'm going to redeem these the the past, these generational uh, curses, in a sense, through you and your sons. I I, before I get more in depth into the book, I want to talk about a little bit about that father absence, because it's not just you. It's not just your dad, but it is so common and it's been on the rise since 1969 when we legalized no-fault divorce in california and then it just just swept over the united states why do you think that all of a sudden divorce was just so prevalent and huge and what do you think the consequences have been since then that we've had all these absent fathers um i think first of all i think the first problem is i think even as believers i think we really don't understand the purpose of marriage Mm. because i was talking to some 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 guys in a church group i used to go to and one of the things i think my pastors dr jermon glenn and pastor erica glenn is they were real big on marriage but not just marriage but understanding the why behind marriage Mm -hmm. and so I asked them a question, well, why should people get married? Mm -hmm. And their only response was, well, that's just what Christians do. That's good and all, but that's the wrong response. Yeah, that's not a good enough answer. Sorry. (laughs) So let's let's go Bible and go back in the garden. Mm -hmm. Genesis is my, that's that's my favorite book of the Bible. It's just so much, it's just so much there that's prevalent to today. Mm -hmm. God brings Adam and Eve together 
And when they come together, we get the world. Mm -hmm. The purpose of marriage is for two people to come together to give society something it doesn't have. Yeah. But that can't go, you can't go into that without understanding what you're attaching your life to. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons me and my wife dated the way we did, the methodicalness behind it, is because there wasn't just us getting married, there was a mission behind it. Mm -hmm. It was to A, glorify God, mm -hmm. and also to discover what would be, what would the world get if me and her got married? Mm -hmm. People talk about ministries and this, that, and the other. One of the things that the world is in short supply of is stable families. Amen. Yep. Exactly. And so we both had the, and we asked when we would date, we would come with very intentional questions. We didn't come with, what's your favorite color song? We can find that stuff out later. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about money? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about sex? Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that we, well, let's make sure that we align biblically. Mm -hmm. Okay. What should, what do you feel your purpose is? Mm -hmm. This is my purpose. And our purposes were intertwined with one another. So there would never be any competition. There would never be any stride. And then we catch stride and we run into the future together. Mm -hmm. And so I think, A, the, the, the way that we teach marriage shouldn't be you're saved, so you should just get married. No, mm -hmm. what we should do is get saved, discover who you are in Christ, mm -hmm. do what you want to do as a single person in regards to travel, build your credit, whatever the case may be, find out your purpose, and then you find out who you attach your life to based on purpose, not potential. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people marry based off potential. Well, they could be this or they could be that. Mm. In the dating phase, that's the time to do the forensics work. The forensic work. Mm -hmm. What's your family's mental health history? Mm -hmm. What's your family's health history? Marriage is two Fortune 500 companies merging together. Yeah. That's the way we should look at it, in my opinion. Well, and I've always been taught you go into marriage with your eyes wide open, and then once you're married, you kind of have them half shut. <laughs> because there's so many things after marriage that you're like, oh, should I have married that person or should I? No, just there's certain things, the little things that you just kind of leave to the side. But before marriage, you make sure you know what you're getting into. And, and you talk about Genesis, which I find so beautiful because marriage is meant to be a reflection of Christ in the mm -hmm. bride in the bride right mm -hmm. the, the, the Jesus died for the church and the bride of Christ and that's what marriage is supposed to be a reflection of why do you think that a single mom or a single dad is not the same as a two-parent household and I'm not trying to diminish single parents by any means because I know a lot of great single moms and dads that are trying really hard and they uh, are there to no fault of their own but why is it not the same as a two-parent household because partnership always produces Ooh, I like that me and my wife are partners so I think about when my son Joshua was first born and the she had a Joshua was a very difficult birth my wife was in labor for 40, about 42 hours, had to have an emergency C-section, 
and she was exhausted. Mm -hmm. Imagine doing that by yourself and then getting home and we had to be a team Mm -hmm. for his feedings. When he woke up in the middle of the night, sometimes I had to take him so she could rest. She was so focused on him, even in her state that she would forget to eat. She would forget to take her vitamins and a host of other things. If mm-hmm. she didn't have me there, imagine how many single mothers have to go through that by themselves. Yeah. Just being alone, the stress, the day, the she suffered with a little postpartum. Imagine doing that by yourself and not to have somebody to pray for you, somebody who intimately knows you, mm-hmm. who knows when you're off, when you can anticipate. Mm-hmm. So I can anticipate what she needs. Mm-hmm. And just also for children, for just how you run a household, the structure of a household, there are certain things that she's great at that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So even with the rearing of our children, she's good at putting all the appointments and stuff together. I'm good at taking things off her plate around the house. I think two parents is just a great partnership. Mm-hmm. We, when it comes to discipline, our styles are a little bit different, but then having a conversation with each other about, okay, this is what's going on with Joshua. How do we handle it? Okay, mom, I think you need to take the lead on this one. Mm-hmm. He, 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 needs some, he, he needs some empathy. Sometimes I'm not very good at that. <laughs> so, but I have to, you, and, but, but if you're not in partnership, you don't understand when you should stand down and somebody else needs to step up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's certain times when she'd be like, he needs he needs your ministry today, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so then I'll have to go deal with it. Mm-hmm. And but I think two parents. Number one, I think that just just the way the the way God designed it. But I think when you have two intentional parents, all your bases are covered. Yeah. And what you need in a household is interchangeable. That's good stuff. As far as, far as strengths and weaknesses, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Because there's, and and I like going back to Genesis again, there's a portion of God's image in Adam that we don't see in Eve, and there's a portion of God's image in Eve that we don't see in Adam, and then when you put them together, it's just this dynamic duo, and it's the same thing when a husband and wife come together, those strengths and those weaknesses, they come together, they create this dynamic duo, not that they're perfect, but we need each other. So now let's go ahead and dive into your book a little bit. It's called Dear Sons. It's a devotional. Now, is this a devotional that fathers do with their sons? Or is this something for the father to do on his own as kind of a teachable devotional? I would say for every father to do it by themselves Mm -hmm. and when their son is age. So I have a friend who read it by himself. And now he's reading it with his son. Okay. But he wanted to read it, ingest it, and become it first Mm -hmm. before he taught it while he was um, reading it to him. Mm -hmm. So that works. I think it's also good for women and single mothers and those with sons. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very beneficial for women to have to get some insight into what godly men are like mm-hmm. if you're a single woman raising a daughter this is the type of man that you should look for mm. or if you have a son this is the man type of man you should strive to be mm-hmm. so i think it's for men and women obviously being a father that's mainly my target because i, I am a father but I, I think either 
I would say read it by yourself mm-hmm. um, and ingest it first. But eventually, yes, you should read it with your son. So probably in a few years, maybe in a year and a half or two, I'm going to read through it with Joshua and David. Okay. Now, you have a whole host of different topics, and you had said earlier in the interview that in your household, you were not getting what you needed. So are these topics what you needed as a child that you did not receive? They are what I needed, but I also think that's what every boy needs. Mm -hmm. So tell me about some of those topics. You have foundation, you have wisdom, you talk about sex, you talk about who's your Jonathan, who's your Nathan. Tell me a little bit about those. Which ones okay. seem to be really important to you? Okay, let's start with foundation. So whenever a building collapses, no one the first thing you check is the foundation. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that people look at is the foundation. So if you, you can't build anything until you have something sturdy to build on. So the, what is the foundation of the principles of your household? Mm-hmm. What is the foundation? What are our non-negotiables? Let's lay down a solid foundation so we can build our family off that. Preferably, me and myself, we're building it on Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's our foundation. Every man needs a foundation, or you can't build anything, or what you build will not be sustainable. Mm-hmm. So that's the um, idea behind foundation. With wisdom, wisdom to me is threefold. You have, I, I think, wisdom, insight, in foresight, right? So wisdom is just understanding something or knowing when and when not to. So that, that, that's wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, within that you have insight. Insight is understanding. So like my two sons, they're very different. One of the things that I prayed to God for is insight to see into them, to understand them, to understand their why, why they do certain things, just what their personalities are. So I can point them in the direction of where they should go, probably vocationally and career wise. Mm -hmm. So that's why I had wisdom. Who's your Nathan? We look at the life of King David and he needed a Nathan. He, everyone needs somebody who can tell you what to do or who can check you. Now, if someone's new to scripture, who was Nathan to King David? So Nathan was a prophet, but also an advisor to King David. Mm -hmm. And the story that that's very popular is a story about Uriah and how that started with David not being where he was supposed to be in the first place. He was supposed to be off at war. Mm-hmm. And he's on the roof just scrolling around. Mm-hmm. And he sees something that looks desirable for to him, but is not his. Mm-hmm. So he plots and plans to have the lady's husband killed because he gets her pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so when Nathan confronts him and uses a story to, to really let him know, I know what you did. And so the importance of that is everybody wants to be the king. But not every king wants to have strong advisors. Mm. So a Nathan, a Nathan isn't a yes man. And Nathan told him what the judgment was going to be. <laughs> that child, that child's going to die now because mm-hmm. of you. Yeah. Now, what about the Jonathan? Because Jonathan was David's best friend. 
you need a confidant. Okay. You need someone you can go to who you can pour your heart out to, mm-hmm. who you can share your secrets with, not to hide them and not to shame you, mm-hmm. but someone you can confide in. Do you think that's hard for fathers and for sons? Um, I don't think, I think we really don't teach our children about friendship. Mm. So it's not necessarily that it's hard. It's, it's, it's the fact that we as parents need to be doing a better job of teaching our kids about what it means to be a friend. Exactly. Okay. And modeling that through our friendships, but also like with my son and their friend, when they have disputes and sitting down and talking to them and talking them through it. And I ask my son all the time, even at five, I mean six, and he doesn't have an answer yet, really. But I keep asking him, so as he grows, he'll start thinking about it. I always ask him, well, why are you friends with such and such? Mm -hmm. And just to get him to think about friendship, because if I look at my past, really a lot of my friendships and a lot of people's friendships is about the dirt they do together. Mm -hmm. Not about common goal, common purpose, because the beauty about friends, when you have friends who are purpose-driven, who are connected, yeah, you guys are going to have fun and all that other stuff and goof off, but your circle starts to develop Mm non-negotiables. Well, they start saying things like, well, we don't do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's not what we do. And friends, your circle of friends, and I think I wrote a chapter on this, they correct you when you're you're wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm still your friend, mm-hmm. but what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can create friendship groups amongst young people where they understand accountability and purpose, you start to develop healthy friendships. I think a lot of our friendships and having a background in education, a lot of kids' friendships is based on the trouble that they get into mm-hmm. and that they have the same common vices. I had a pastor that used to say, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yep. Are you okay? Absolutely. So, and I want to cover one more topic. You talk, uh, you have a section in there about sex. And I think this is good because I don't know. I, I was, I was a former pastor. I talked with a lot of parents and kids and worked with teenagers. And I'm just shocked at how many parents do not talk to their kids about this subject. And Send so, them up for trouble. And I'm so glad that you put that in there. So expound on that chapter a little bit. Why did you put that in there? Why do you feel that it is important for fathers to talk to their sons about this very topic? Well, first of all, I lost my virginity at 14. Mm-hmm. And looking back at my life, how sex warped the way that I looked at the world and at the way that I looked at women Mm -hmm. and the way I was introduced to sex. I was introduced to sex through pornography at a friend's house Mm -hmm. where it was unsupervised. It's kind of fly by the seat of your pants. And I think I watched my first pornography at the age of 12. Mm -hmm. And we would sit in the basement at a friend's house and watch hours of pornography. Mm -hmm. And so every time I saw a woman or a girl, That's what I saw. I saw a sex sex object. Right. I didn't see a girl or a woman Mm -hmm. because I was introduced to something prematurely that I had no business 
because my mind couldn't process it. I didn't have the maturity to understand it. And here's the thing. Sex isn't bad. It's in my opinion. And what, from what God said, it's for marriage. Mm -hmm. And there's, I think there's a reason for that Mm -hmm. because God, uh, an analogy a pastor gave was like fire in a furnace is warming, comforting, and soothing and intimate Mm -hmm. fire outside of a furnace burns the house down. (laughs) He creates it in the context of marriage Mm -hmm. because he understands how powerful it is. Right. Right. And that's why he's like, say this for this space Mm -hmm. because I understand the power of it. Mm -hmm. And if it gets out of this space, it gets out of control. Mm -hmm. And so for my sons, I'm going to begin to talk to them about sex as they are age appropriate through prayer, through wisdom, so you cover basic sex with little kids by just introducing them to their anatomy and their body. Mm-hmm. And so for my son, for their body parts, we call them what they are. We don't have code names for them. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason behind that. So if ever anybody tries to touch you there, you can say what it is. Right. And so I think we make sex harder than it has to be. And you start by just explaining them about their body. And then as they gradually grow, you know, you know, mm-hmm. when it's time to talk to them mm-hmm. and just be honest with them, be honest about your sexual past, mm-hmm. what it did to you. And that I'm not trying to keep anything from you. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to protect you because I know what it did to me. Right. And when you, and you... Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and when you're bringing scripture oh. into it, how am I trying to word this? When you're bringing the Bible into it, letting the kids know, hey, God is the one who created this. So I think mm-hmm. God would be the expert on it. And if God it belongs might, to him. So if God created it, I think he knows which way is the best way. And because the world distorts it and says, oh, well, the way that Christians do it, it's boring. It's old school. It's part of the patriarchy or whatever nonsense. No, God knows what he's doing. If he's created it, he knows the best way to go about it. Look at our society mm-hmm. because we look at our, we look no further than our society. So I tell people all the time, especially with young people, what's the benefit of young people being promiscuous? Mm-hmm. And no one ever answers the question. I said, you can find me a benefit. great question, honestly. It's great. I said, what, what do we gain by young people? And I also say the most important thing you can give your child is a choice. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there is no perfect model, but you give them the right information. And I think what we need to teach children is the weight of their choices. Mm-hmm. So when my sons are of age, we're going to have an in-depth conversation about sex. Mm-hmm. You could go out. I, technically, I can't stop you from doing what you want to do. But understand, like in our house, if you get someone pregnant, you're telling me you're no, you no longer want to be a child. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you want to be an adult. Mm-hmm. So am I going to throw you out? No. But you're going to take care of this. Mm-hmm. So all them extracurricular activities and stuff, because now you're an adult. Right. Because that's what your choice. That's what your choices said that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Me and your mother love you. We're not going to abandon you. Mm-hmm. But there's judgment and there's penalty. Judgment is the end. There are some choices that end in judgment. There are some choices that end in penalty. The penalty is 
you no longer get to be a child. Yep, there's redemption, there's forgiveness, but you're going to take you're going to take care of this, and me and your mother will support. Mm-hmm. But you're going to take care of this. Mm-hmm. And also, when it comes to purity, I think people don't understand. Adam was the first virgin. Mm-hmm. Why don't we teach purity to boys the way we do with girls? Mm. Okay, expound on that a little bit for me. So I'm going to teach my son the value of their bodies, that you just don't go, you be responsible with your body. No, it's not a white rite of passage to sow your royal oats. And for young ladies, if you get a young lady pregnant, she has to wear the shame. She can't hide what happened, and that's not fair to her. I think that's really good because that's the complaint. I wasn't raised in the church. I got I became a Christian uh, in my later teen years. But that is probably the biggest complaint that I receive from those that did grow up in the church is there was so much emphasis on women staying pure or girls staying pure, but not enough on the boys. And that all we the need to flip that upside down. Mm, OK, you can't call yourself a leader. You, you got to lead in all aspects. Mm hmm. So for my son, no, we don't, no, no, we save ourselves for marriage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we do mm-hmm. in our household. That's mm-hmm. what men do. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not for this. And that, that I, when I was writing a chapter, I'm like, when you see a purity ceremony, you see these young women lined up in their white dresses and it's only a few boys. Mm. And it's like, no. Mm-hmm. We're going to lead in all aspects if we're going to be leaders. Mm-hmm. No, that's so, that's good. I, I noticed this in um, not so much here, but in other countries that if uh, if a girl loses her virginity, she's cast aside. She's looked down upon. But for the boy that does that, it's it's not it, for some reason, it's not that big of a deal. The girl's kind of trash and she'll never get married. But this boy can go on and get married. And it's just really weird. And it just shows you how Satan kind of distorts things. And he he twists things. Exactly. I, I want to go back a little bit because I forgot to ask this earlier. I hear all the time my dad left. He was a part of our family one day, and then he was gone, and I don't see him anymore. We were really close, and then all of a sudden my parents got divorced, and I never see him. And so I know this is a heavy question, but why do you think some dads just leave, and they just don't they don't carry out their fatherly duties after a divorce? Well, I think, I think sometimes there's two sides to every story, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we only hear one side of the story, mm-hmm. which is usually her side of the story. Why? I think, number one, I think when a lot of men do get married and build families, they have their idea of what what their life is going to look like. And then a divorce happens, and I think they feel like they failed, and they run away in shame. Mm. And I think even through divorce, I think even the woman, especially if he's a good father, and it just didn't work out for them, between them, she has to affirm that. Mm, okay. Because in his mind, he may be like, especially if you grew up in a traditional strict Christian household, he probably feels like he failed. Mm, okay. Sometimes with men in cases like that, no one comes to see if they're okay. They mm. just leave them where they're at. But people tend to go to the mom and see if she's okay. Exactly. No, that's good. I didn't think about it from that point of view. I actually no wasn't. One ever, no, go ahead. And 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 especially if it happens in the church context, 
the men of the church need to remind him, hey, you still got an assignment to those children. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you're a boy dad, but speak to the fathers of girls a little bit. So I know you don't have a ton of experience with girls because you have two boys, but I know that dads of girls are important. So can you speak to that a little bit? So interesting question, because my wife is a true daddy's girl. (laughs) So you had some competition (laughs) when you were trying to woo this woman. (laughs) Yes. So I love their relationship, and me and my wife aren't done having children. Mm -hmm. And just a sidebar, I told my wife, I need a little girl because I'm getting tired of you you being courted by three men every day. (laughs) I need somebody in my life and say, Hey, me and her are going to dinner and you guys aren't coming. Yeah. So, so, but I love the way my sons love their mother, but their relationship is my wife and her father is just an amazing relationship. And for a girl, a father for a boy and a girl, but particularly a girl, her father can be her first hero or her first villain. Hmm. And depending on the context and how he presents himself, she'll fall in love with a villain. Oh. And that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to work in an all-girls home um, when I worked in residential care. A lot of the talks we, I would have with the girls was around their fathers. And when I asked what type of men their fathers were, it's amazing that they always chose men like their father, even if they didn't like their father. Mm-hmm. I remember the day I got a promotion somewhere else and I was going to leave. When the girls found out I was going to leave, that was a really rough day. And I didn't know and understand I was a surrogate and didn't even realize it. Yeah. And so particularly for girls, I think it's vital for them to have a strong male in their life. Now, I don't believe... I think mothers, when it comes to girls, can teach them their essence of being a woman. Mm -hmm. And I think a father presents a standard. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's extremely important for girls to have a strong male in their life. Mm -hmm. I think that that's extremely vital. And even a lot of my friends, my female friends, they're like, some of the stuff you put on Facebook about dad is, is interesting. So I have one friend who said, because I was never loved by him, I didn't know how to be loved. So I allowed people to love me how they wanted to. Mm, that's painful. And what a father's does, it says, you make people love you the way you want to be loved. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to love you the way you want to be loved. So there's a standard for love. Mm-hmm. That's no, all I got. no, that's no, that's good stuff. And I, I think there's so much baggage in marriage today because of the way oh, we didn't even tap into that. Well, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Maybe we might have to say that for another time. But there is so much, there's so much baggage today in marriage, and a lot of that has to. Uh, and I can only speak from a female point of view, but that that stems from the absent father or the father not loving them the way they should or setting that standard of what a godly man is supposed to be like. Do you feel as though you've been 
a surrogate at ISD. You talked about in the girls' home, you were kind of seen as that surrogate father. Do you kind of feel that way working at ISD as a career coach? Um, at times, um, I try to gauge kids with what they need. And a lot of times when they're comfortable with you, they pull on the piece of you that they need from. Mm. So if it's big brother, then that's what you got to be. Mm-hmm. If it's father figure, that's what you got to be. So when you create a safe space, particularly for you, whether they're male or female, they'll pull from you what they need. Okay. What advice would you give right now to the single mom that's out there trying to make it, or even the single dad, just trying to make it, they're struggling. They need that help because they're just, they're alone. The chapter in my book about the singer mom and my church, her name is Juanita Toronto. And what was interesting about her journey, when she came to the revolution, she had just, her son Jamal was a newborn. And to see her show up every week and go through a process of restoration and healing was just phenomenal. But the older that Jamal got, what she realized was, not out of arrogance, is that I cannot teach him how to be a man. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to try to. So what she started to do was first she prayed and she watched the lives of certain men around the church to see how consistent they were and if they were, their faith was authentic. And what she would do is she would reach out to them, not because she was trying to date or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just need you to be a point of contact for my son. Yeah. I just need, when we come in this building, I just need you to be a point of contact with my son. Mm-hmm. If you have some time, can you take him here, take him to the barbershop or wherever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And so what started to happen was the community of men came around her son to make sure that he was reared properly. That is the responsibility of the church. Same with single fathers. Even if you're a single father with a son, he still needs a mother's touch. Mm-hmm. You need to ask certain women, hey, can you just be a touch point for my son? Yeah. Can you just be a touch point for him? Mm-hmm. And, and, and ask women, what do you think a boy needs? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, and I'm going to try to remember it correctly. There was a study done on elephants in Africa, and there was a bunch of boy elephants that lost their, their, their fathers. And they were out of control. Yeah, they were, you've seen that. Yep. Yeah. And then what, like, I don't even know what you call an animal scientist, but these animal scientists brought in male adult elephants to get them in line. And they were out of control because they didn't have that father male elephant to help guide them where they needed to go. And I thought, wow, how fascinating, you know, that just even in animals, they need a dad. You know, it's not well, just Well, every social statistic, and I think you pointed this out earlier, points to fatherlessness, but we ignore it. Yeah. And I think one of the things is we look to the government to sign up, fix that, and I think that the body of Christ needs to fix that. Right. Yeah. And and everybody kind of goes to back to Acts chapter 2. I think it's Acts chapter 1 or 2 where they said, well, the the Bible says that everybody shared in everything they had. Well, yeah, that was the church. That wasn't the government doing that. Mm-hmm. That was the church that was helping each other out to make sure everybody had what they needed. Now, if there is a dad struggling out there right now to be the dad that God created him to be, what advice would you give him in this small window? First, seek Christ. Mm-hmm. Second, buy my book, 
<laughs> shameless plug. That's right. That's uh, why we're here. <laughs> but find a community. Mm-hmm. Me and my friends, my wife, there's about 18 of us, all Christians, all believers. We raise our families in community. Mm-hmm. We're, we're intertwined. We're connected. We pray together every Sunday evening. And our children are growing up with each other in this community where we set the standard of how life should be lived and how people of faith live. So mm-hmm. I would say seek Christ, get you a church and get and find a community. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's perfect because as our kids get older and now that I have teenagers, I see it. I was always told this, but now I see it. And that when they go through that preteen teenage years they start pulling away from mom and dad well who do you want them to attach to you want them to seek out advice from people that have the same same standards you do that have the same morals and where are you going to you find can't that? do it all yeah you can't do it all but where where do you want them to go you want them to go inside the church because if they do have a question about something and they don't want to go to you because your mom because your dad well there are those people that you have surrounded them with in the community in your church mm-hmm. community that they're a safe place that they can go to and then uh, obviously you as an individual can be that for their kids as well so i think that's exactly. that's fabulous advice Corey, i can find you on linkedin i can find you on facebook are you on instagram uh yes Corey j war okay so we can we can follow you on instagram and then how do i get your book dear sons uh, you could go to Amazon or you can go to my website, CoreyJWard.com. com. Well, Corey, I thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your insight. And I also, Thanks for having it, me. It was fun. Oh, and, and I just appreciate the fact that you took your past and you said, I'm not going to live in my past, but I'm going to change my legacy and create a, a great future for my son. So thank you for being a godly example to all of us. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining Corey and I on that fantastic conversation. God gave us fathers for a reason. And no matter what your childhood was like, you can choose a path of changing your legacy just as Corey did. Check out his book and website in the show notes. Don't forget to download, share, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next week.